the bottom line of human performance is creating a psychologically safe or creating the conditions for psychological safety so that people can lean in and trust themselves in each other more. Welcome to Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I'm your host, Christine Trumbull, a certified exit planning advisor, CPA, and certified tax strategist. I've spent the last 30 years working with owners to grow and scale their businesses, and then went on to help my own husband grow his. After his passing, I moved to the next chapter, ensuring seamless transitions for family-owned and closely held businesses. Each week, we are talking to experts about growth and transition, so you can not only simplify exiting your business, but also get as much wealth out of your business as possible. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. And thank you for joining me again. This is Christine Trumbull with Mastering Your Exit Strategy. Today, I'm speaking with Teresa Mitrovic. Teresa is the founder of ORO Collective, as well as a consultant, coach, course creator, and author specializing in performance, psychological safety, and trust. In her past life as a corporate leader, when the increasing demands of senior leadership clashed with single parenthood, coaching as a leader was the solution. With workloads reset, team cohesion and alignment gained, performance improved, and profit tripled. She has lived and worked internationally, delivering keynotes and workshops to clients large and small, and authored the book, The Currency of Connection, How Trust Transforms Life, Relationships, and Work. Now based in Melbourne with her husband and dog, she works internationally and virtually coaching top executives from companies like Barclays, Hasbro, Disney, and Accenture. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Christine. It's a pleasure to be here. And and you know what? It's always great to have an Australian accent. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, and and you know what? I have to ask. I, I forgot to ask before we started mm-hmm. recording. So now it's going to get caught on the recording. What kind of dog do you have? Oh, so actually, uh, he, he's technically a schnack, which is a miniature schnauzer cross with the Jack Russell, which is like 150% energy and personality. Um, his name is Walter. He is abs- we get stopped on the street to, and asked what kind of dog he is. He's that cute. So I'm not, it's not, I'm not 100% prejudiced, uh, biased, but I, I'm daily biased. Yeah. That's excellent. That's excellent. I've never heard of one of those. And yes, I can a imagine that's is- a handful. That's a handful. <laughs> He's an adorable wow. handful. Yeah, quite yes. a character. Good. That's fun. <laughs> so let's let's jump into this psychological, the, 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 the bio really caught me. One thing really caught me in this, mm-hmm. psychological safety. Can you explain mm-hmm. what that is? Sure. So the way that I define psychological safety is really to take it down to its fast hacks, right? So psychological means what's happening in our mind and what's happening in our emotional landscape. And safety, we know exactly what that means, right? The absence of Um, fear and risk. So when I think psychological safety, I think of it just in those really basic terms around how do we make sure that we are creating safety rather than risk or unnecessary, you know, kind of um, uh, high impact vulnerability psychologically and emotionally for people. And and, and that's why, you know, we're talking about it now, right? Because it's always been really important to how human beings function. But mm-hmm. I think we really, you know, since 2020, like post-2020, we're really alive to just how important it is that our 
um, psychological landscape, that our emotional landscape is as um, strong, as, as, as grounded, as healthy as possible, so that when we turn up in the world, we're doing great work, we have, you know, we're relating well to others. So although that's kind of, you know, it's quite a simple, psychological safety is quite a simple you know, uh, concept to define in most terms, mm-hmm. the impact of it is incredibly deep. Okay. So how does that play into business in, in yeah, you know, an, a, a, <laughs> an owner and his employee, his or her employees, staffing, mm. that type of thing? So how it plays in, so there are, there are two things, right? There's two sides to the coin. It's how it plays into the business and also what the business owner or CEO can recognize um, in their staff when they're not feeling psychologically safe. So how, how psychological safety plays into the business is when we feel psychologically safe, our mind starts to calm down. We're no longer focused on self-preservation. We're focused on what we're giving and what we're receiving and how, how we're actually showing up, right? We're not focused on making sure that we are safe right. from harm, that we're safe from causing other people harm or discomfort. So what that means in a work environment is if you feel psychologically safe, you start to lean in, you start to trust yourself and others and the work environment more. So you speak up more, you contribute more, you take more ownership, you accept more feedback. And I can see you nodding your head. Like, so it's like, you know what this means, right? When yes, you're leading yes. a team and running a business. You, yes. that's, these are all the things that, that, that we really want in the team that we lead. Like we really want people to step up, to, to right. share their opinions with us, especially if they are concerns or mm-hmm. ideas. We want people to be innovative and creative. We want people to problem solve. We want people to relate yeah. well and collaborate well together, mm-hmm. share information freely, uh, you know, not, not, not protect their own patch. Um, and we want people to really, yeah. You know, we talk, we talk about people bringing them their full selves to work, mm-hmm. but we actually do want that because we we hire people so that they're going to bring that energy, that enthusiasm, that commitment to work. Mm-hmm. What often happens when they come to work is they start to feel a little bit disengaged, so they pull back. Okay. Right? We don't want that. We want them to to lean in more mm-hmm. and to contribute more. So, so a psychologically safe environment allows people to do that, and when they okay. do that, they start to trust each other. They they trust themselves and each other more. And that's where you start to see performance really sustainably improve and then really amplify. So, I mean, if you imagine a team full of people who actually feel comfortable enough with with themselves and with each other and with you as the founder, Mm -hmm. their environment, speak up, correct, right? Right. When they know that that it's really valued and it's important that they speak up and they can trust Mm -hmm. themselves and each other and you to Mm -hmm. do that in the environment then you start to get a hundred it's 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 not like a hundred percent participation it's, it feels like 150 percent participation because when you allow people to freely think and create and express and connect what you get is this collective genius of the group not just individual contribution and that, so that's kind of the magic that's where you start to get beyond this you you, you reach this tipping point and you go beyond that right so um so that's kind of how it shows up in a work sense. The, the challenge for, for founders is, wow, how do you create that? You know, if we're talking about that emotional and psychological landscape, it's a very good question because I'm going to say something now that's going to sound a little bit contradictory, which is that you don't create the psychological safety. Sorry, you, don't, you, can't, you can't make someone feel psychologically safe. All you can do is create the conditions for it. Mm-hmm. So I have this model, I was, I was mentioned to you earlier, I created this model called the psychologically safe performance model. And it was this kind of aha moment of realizing how it all fits together. So if we imagine a triangle, 
And on the bottom left corner, you've got psychological safety. And on the bottom right corner, you've got trust. And at the pinnacle of the pyramid, you've got performance. So performance is the apex, right? It's what we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line of human performance is creating a psychologically safe or creating the conditions for Mm -hmm. psychological safety so that people can lean in and trust themselves and each other more. Right. Okay. So as a founder or or a a CEO, if you look at that bottom line and say, okay, my job is to create the conditions for psychological safety so that I can start to see trust being expressed because trust is what you'll see, right? Mm -hmm. So what you'll see is people talking more, people coming up with ideas, people not being too scared to Mm -hmm. share their concerns or their perspectives. um, And, and people kind of speaking up and debating rather than speaking up and negating each other's opinions. Right. So healthy conflict a, is a term right, that I right. use a lot with um, yeah. leadership teams. You have they have to be able to have healthy conflict, productive yeah. conflict. Conflict is not a bad thing. It's the way we handle it. <laughs> and, right. and if and and yeah, if you've created that environment, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's absolutely. I this is it's, it's layering, right? It's, yeah. you're so right. The um, conflict is just another expression of emotion and. Mm-hmm. Part of creating the conditions for, for high performance um, and understanding psych safety and trust is, is, that, is recognizing that conflict is an emotion. And actually what you want is you want people to be able to express that emotion because emotion is energy, right? It's passion, it's commitment. Right. You know, so, so you, and this is one of the mistakes that we make as leaders. And I can say this hand on heart because I was a leader for 18 years before I ran my own business. So I know what it's like to say, oh, you know, everyone's opinions are important and then someone speaks up and you think, oh, okay, but not yours um, because that's, <laughs> that's really unhelpful right now. So what I encourage, so, so, so we've got to be really careful as leaders to say we're creating the conditions mm-hmm. or to, to kind of to know in ourselves that we're creating the conditions, but then also uphold them. So the thing with conflict is to recognize that, okay, we if someone's feeling conflicted, we need that out because if it's out, we can address it. We can't address something that they keep to themselves, right? right? So the very first thing is be relieved that they've said it out loud because then you can deal with it, right? And if yeah. someone's got a concern, chances are other people have a little bit of that as well. So it gives mm-hmm. you an opportunity to express it, to be grateful for that, but then also say to them, you know, have some phrases up your sleeve. Like I hadn't considered it from that perspective. Tell me more about what it is that you're thinking or, hey, that sounds, you know, that that's, um, that sounds really, that sounds really challenging. Thanks for bringing it up. Help me understand what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. So ask a, ask a, ask a question it helps them to understand it more. Because what you'll find is that behind that an initial kind of, um, I was going to say outburst, but behind an initial comment, mm-hmm. there's often some thinking, right? So if we can help, if, if they can, if we can get them to help us understand their thinking, mm-hmm. then everyone becomes wiser in the process. And either our challenger, our ideas are challenged and made more robust, or they're challenged and found to be lacking, in which case we either dismiss them in favor of something better, mm-hmm. or we, 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 we make them more robust together. And when you make them more robust together, then people buy in more. So okay. there's this really powerful thing that happens when, if you manage conflict well, it's not just about hearing people, it's also about making sure that the plan's going forward are more robust, but it's also about the fact that when you hear people, uh, when you acknowledge that what they're saying is important, even if um, it's not relevant to what we, you know, it's, it's not as relevant as what they might have thought, that acknowledgement of their input helps them to be more accountable going forward. 
Okay. So in one move, you're actually creating this, um, you're doing multiple things at once. You know, you're, you're feeding many birds with one seed. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the incredible benefits of, of creating the conditions for performance rather than focusing on the performance itself. Okay. Speaking of creating conditions for performance, you're, um, it's my understanding that you're not a fan of um, using reward systems and performance reviews to, you know, um, to, to uh, what, what is that? Track performance or initiate um, uh, higher productivity or that, that type of thing. Can you tell me why you're not a fan of it and what would an alternative be? Sure. Um, and that's, I'm really glad you brought that up because I'm not a fan of how we, how we tend to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, one of the things I noticed when I, when I first start speaking to leaders about psych, psychological safety and performance is that there's this real dichotomy. If I want psychological safety, then how do I, how, how do I push for performance as well? Or if right. I want performance, how do I create? So, so they, it feels like they're mutually exclusive. And they're not. So whilst I'm not a fan of how we tend to do it traditionally, I am a fan of still monitoring performance. Mm-hmm. How you do it, though, is what changes. Okay. So if we take um, performance as an example, if we say to people, if we help our team understand how they add value through the work that they're doing, both this, both individually and collectively as a team, then we can look at how that then moves the needle. And so if, if we kind of, so we talk about it, uh, I, I call it value alignment. So if we, if we know as leaders what it is that we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and we break that down into, you know, shorter term, what the goals and milestones look like and we have conversations with the team around, okay, so what's your role in this? So mm-hmm. what's your role in it? How do you add value? And we base, and we kind of invite them into, okay, so how are you going to show up? What do you, how do you fulfill a role? that actually um, means that you're not only doing your job really well, but you're actually growing, you are growing as an individual, but you're growing value in the company as well. Okay. And so we all grow together. So, yeah. so rather than it being, how do we grow our bottom line? It's how do we grow everything? It's not a zero sum game. It's not a either or, it's an and. How do we right. grow the bottom line? But how do we do that in a way that grows us as well? So we, so that we as a team remain, you know, um, continually in development, continually you know, we're continually becoming as strong, as technically skilled, as robust as we can be right. as uh, as team members on the team. So, so what that means is that we're not we actually get clearer about performance outcomes, but we mm-hmm. start to talk about it in partnership rather than that kind of top down command and control way mm-hmm. of saying these are you know ha- having hard and fast goals um, and saying these are the metrics you either meet them or you don't. We say these are the metrics. How are we going to meet them? What role do we all play? How do we make that both easy, enjoyable, fun? You know, what is what is going beyond look like? And mm-hmm. then you create the how. And when you do, when you give people an opportunity to have some kind of say in how they show up, they take more responsibility for it, which means that accountability becomes easier. Right. So what you do as a leader is you don't just sow the seeds of um, self leadership and accountability. You also make it easy easier for yourself for you to come back to them and say. Hey, remember when we talked about that and you said that you were going to start doing this differently or you were going to take on these roles or you can take on this new client? Um, how's that get, you know, I, I noticed that these things aren't happening. What's what's preventing you from getting there? Is it, you know, is it tools? Is it connections? Is it knowledge? Is it practice? What is it that you need to get to that place? Right. So it's more about partnering, partnering for performance rather than 
kind of delegating expectations right. and then managing whether or not they're on track or not because humans aren't componentry they are they have you know they have their own ideas they have so if, if we want someone to act with agency authority and responsibility then we mm -hmm. need to treat them like adults not um, cogs in a wheel because the more we treat them like cogs in a wheel <laughs> the more we treat them like a commodity right the more they act like a commodity so yes um, one of the things I said to leaders is your team are often a reflection of how you're managing them. Mm -hmm. And the best, best thing that you can do now is partner for performance. So, you know, as long as you've employed people with a really good attitude mm -hmm. and some baseline skills, you can develop the rest, right? Right. right. Um, because the right attitude, you can do anything with the right attitude. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but what you need to do is give people space to show you who they are. Right. And and you need to as a leader. So what you do, what you want to do as a leader is not give them, particularly in your own business, not give them so much rope that they hang themselves, or you know, Lord forbid, you or the, or right. the company or your clients. Right. But you want to be able to give them an environment where they can learn and grow and deliver, mm -hmm. deliver value for, for yourself and, and your stakeholders. But you also want them to have space to um to go beyond doing their job well and actually continue to learn. Because when you do that, you get this um you get sustainable engagement from your team as well. So everyone starts to get more invested. Right. Um, so the beautiful thing is Can that you imagine an entire company where all of your staff is, you know, completely invested in the performance and progress of the company. <laughs> Isn't that an ideal situation? <laughs> it's it's so, it is, it's, it's the, it's the holy grail, right? Um, yeah. When you're in your own business. Um, and look, humans are always going to be human, which is why I say you cannot, as a leader, control someone's psychological safety because our psychological safety is our own internal construct. Right? What, what it takes for me to feel psychologically safe is different mm -hmm. to what it takes for you to feel psychologically safe. So okay. um, so whilst you can't control that environment for someone, you can create the conditions. So as a leader, um, and particularly when you're running your own business, no one is ever going to care about your business the same way that you do. They're never going to feel as responsible or own it or kind of, um care about it as much as you do but but what you can do is, is shift your mindset from from leading to partnering for, so from leading with control mm -hmm. and, and kind of being the one who has all the answers mm -hmm. to partnering with your team to extract maximum value you know okay. and to give maximum value but right. to, but really partnering with them around okay here's as a leader i've done the thinking here's what we need to achieve you know here here's what i wish for here is here are my aspirations mm -hmm. you guys i've, I've you know assume that the team around you are smart because you hired them right right um we hope and then give them the space <laughs> right <laughs> um so i'm not a fan of how we've been doing it traditionally because it's very much around you know it feels like a checkbox are you on try target are you not it's not about okay what's working what's not how do we make this better how do we improve it's not about continual growth improvement and, and, and development it's about it feels more about uh, right and wrong and so and, and this is particularly important when you are running your own business because if you can create the like the real conditions for human for real human performance, mm -hmm. then not only is your does your company become um, more more sustainably uh, healthy in terms of its perform its engagement and its performance, mm -hmm. um, but you're also then developing strength in the team. The, the knowledge that your team develop and also you know share together mm -hmm. you, you just build so much value in the business and it right. means that yeah you know uh, um it means that as you think about as you start to think about exiting your business or preparing your business for sale 
then you've got an organization, you've got a team behind you who are who who, who are as invested as they could possibly be in the business, even mm-hmm. though they're not the owners. They understand the vision. They feel it. They're aligned to it. They can right. see how they add value independently. They know why they exist as a team because they can see how the value amplifies when they're together delivering things. Right. Um, but you start to leave your business in a much in a much better state, right? Because it's not reliant on this cult of personality because you're this incredible founder who's right. created this incredible atmosphere and culture at work. You've actually you know, you've created a legacy, mm-hmm. not just a leadership role to yourself. Right. And, and I would difference there. I would suspect that once you've created that environment and you have your and your staff is at that level, it, it it even even halfway at that level, it would tend towards a higher retention of 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 staffing, uh, in addition to just better performance and better collaboration and and those types of things. And I love what you mm-hmm. said, uh, self leadership. Mm. That's, it, that's huge. When you can get your staff at that level, then then yeah, the the amount of value that you've just created in your business is exponential. It's it's mm. it's crazy because not only are is their performance going to improve, and that's going to lead towards higher profits and higher you know or higher revenue and higher profitability, and yes, less dependent on you know the the king or queen on high uh, business owner mm. themselves, <laughs> and and that 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 collaboration is is just going to be huge. So, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner. I'm sitting here with, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, 20, 50, 100, 200 employees or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm embracing, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm embracing this, embracing this concept. What are the top, I don't know, two or three things that I can start doing? As you said, I can't create this environment, but I can start, um, I guess, nurturing the environment or, sure. or, or, or going in that direction. What are some of the things mm-hmm. that, that I, as the business owner can start doing? Good question. So as a business owner, focus on, um, if, 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 if you treat your people as your lead performance indicator, mm. then that's a really good place to start because your people are driving your performance, right? So that's the first piece of advice I would say is, Treat your people, keep an eye on how your people are doing. And I appreciate it can feel a little bit more challenging when if if they're working remotely or if you're a hybrid team. But the thing to focus on is your is how your team are engaging. So um, when you think about this psychologically safe performance model, and we're looking at trust at psychological safety, trust and performance, the focus for the leader really needs to be around trust. So you're watching, so you're creating the conditions for, for trust first and foremost. And so what you're a few things that you can do is you can create um absolute clarity. So, so let me back up a moment. Um, as a leader, you want to create trust across the team. You want the team to trust you as a leader, mm-hmm. you want the tra- team to be able to trust each other, and you want the team to be able to trust themselves to deliver. So right. how you can start doing that is um First and foremost, as a leader, make sure that your expectations are really clear about what it is that you need. Now, that sounds really pedestrian um, because leaders think that they are really clear about what they need <laughs> and what the deadlines are and what is most important on any given week or month. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd be surprised how much um, how much we get de- distracted by the noise that's out there. And we've got to remember as le- as owners and founders that we are surrounded by, you know, 
um, by the demands of our business. And so we're more aware of it. It's almost as though we're hearing all of the, you know, um, we're hearing more, we're talking to ourselves more about the business. We know what it is that we need to focus on. So we are intimately aware of what's most important and what we need to be going after. But the more we can, uh, the more frequently we can discuss that with the team um, through weekly meetings, as an example, the easier it becomes for them. So um, first and foremost, get really, really clear about what it is the team need to be going after together. Um, be also clear about how they each add value to that and be really clear about uh, what success looks like and what the consequences of not achieving that success look like as well. And you do that through conversation with them. So you, you, can, be re- you can do your leadership thinking, uh, uh, you know, um, in your, you know, on your own and think about actually what is it, that, what are my expectations? Mm-hmm. But think as well about um, having the conversation with the team and saying, okay, guys, so we, you know, we're heading into the second half of the year now. We need to be able to hit these targets. Right. Um, how are you yeah, and, and having a conversation with them? How are we doing? Uh, let's get really clear around which of these targets are most important. How are we each going to go after them? The challenges that we see ahead. So be be super, super clear with everybody and make sure that they understand what they're aiming for, why it matters, and what their role is in it. And then once you've, you know, and I recommend doing this sort of every three months, just sitting down and going, okay, so for the next three months, what are we chasing? Why does that matter? What are our roles? Right. And then weekly sitting down with everyone as a team and also having one-to-ones weekly. Now, I can imagine leaders, founders, right? We're sitting there going, oh my goodness, more time in meetings. That's exactly what I need, Teresa. Thanks very much. Um, what I'm going to say is these meetings, and I can tell you from experience, because this is what I started doing when I learned how to do this 18 years ago. When you have more meetings, but they're shorter, they're specific, and um, and they have a, a real purpose. Right. You spend less time in in those other meetings that seem to take forever, where you get nothing done. Right. right. So, so literally, you can have a fifteen minute one to one. You can have a forty five minute team meeting, and you do that once a week. And what I used to say with my team is, our team meetings are on a Monday. Our one to ones individually are on a Wednesday. And if unless it's critical. Um, we only t- we only chat to each other about stuff on our one to ones, mm-hmm. and the rest of the time I trust you to get your job done. If you if you feel on edge about something, then come and see me. If it's really critical and you and you and you're worried that you're going to make a mistake, come to me. Otherwise, we we'll catch up at our one to ones. I trust you. Right. The challenge with that is that you do actually have to trust them. So you've <laughs> got to make sure that anything that you've given them, again, they don't have enough rope to hang right. themselves with, right? right? Because as a leader, the purpose of giving your team absolute clarity through um, discussing the expectations and outcomes with them and also having regular meetings. The purpose of that is to make sure that there's no say-do gap, right, and to make sure that uh, they're not going to fail on your watch. Right. Right? So yeah. if you set up that, and that is partnering for performance because you're not you're not just on high saying, here are your goals, go out and, you know, go out and, 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 and achieve, and I'll speak to you in a year about how well you've done, mm-hmm. which is often how performance management works, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying, go out there and, and push for it. We're going to check in with each other as a team every week. We're going to check in with each other one-to-one every week to make mm-hmm. sure that you've got what you need to succeed. Right. And that's your opportunity. So that's what partnering performance with partnering with, for performance looks like. You're, you really are working together for the good of their career, for the good of the team, for the good of the business. Okay. And you're at every point you're seeding. Um, what is it we're going for? What do you need to get there? 
what's what's preventing you, you know, what's preventing you from getting there mm-hmm. and also um you know what else can i add here that's going to help you to be the best team member and the best contributor that you can be right so that's where you can give feedback as well but that's how you build trust with consistency with credibility with genuine connection mm-hmm. and with competence by saying i'm a leader i've got your back i'm going to set the direction i'm going to have your back i'm going to make sure you've got the the tools and resources that you need i'm going to the best of my ability clear the pathway so that you can achieve because this is your job right um but also i'm going to ask you to step up to this to this you know this ask that i'm making and be really candid with me about what is working what isn't working what you need from me to be able to resource you to do this job well right 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 if so, so many I, there are so many especially well I'm biased, but in, 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 yeah, in, in predominantly I work with like what we call a main street business, which is, you know, small to midsize. And mm-hmm. there are just you know, with a lot of, you know, founder owners and they just, mm-hmm. uh, if, if they could politely get out of their own way and, and, you know, allow their, the people that they've entrusted to do their jobs to actually do their mm-hmm. jobs. And, and yeah, partner, I love, you keep using this term partner and I, 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 I absolutely love it because it is, it's, it's, you're, instead of, you know, being, it's not a dictatorship. Um, it, it is, it is a partnership. And when you can treat somebody like that, again, it, it, it you're not, you're not treating them like a commodity. They're not going to behave like they're a commodity. Exactly. It, it, they are going to step up their game. I, I, I love but, it. Yeah. I think you've, you've had on something really uh, key though there which is that it's really hard to get out of your own way when you when you're the founder right it is really hard mm-hmm. because nobody knows the business like you do right, right? and so I kind of and I almost felt my heart constrict or my chest constrict when you were talking about it because I relate to it but I also mm-hmm. see the risk in it mm-hmm. and that's the thing that is the hardest to explain to, to founders and CEOs or founder CEOs is that um Whilst it's incredible, whilst it feels incredibly difficult to try to release control and bring other people into your business more, there is a, a real risk to you not doing that. Because until you Huge. do it, right? Mm-hmm. Until you do it, you are you have to be everywhere in the business. You have to mm-hmm. be across everything. You can't, you know, you can't stop thinking about it on weekends. You can't stop. You, you go on holiday. You can't stop thinking about it. You can't. Switch, you know, heaven forbid you switch your phone off if you go on holiday or on the week. So you're never able to extricate yourself mm-hmm. from the business. And that has that has impacts not just on um, the business and its ability to continue to adapt and evolve and grow, but it also has impacts on the team that you lead because it caps, it caps their ability to actually take any leadership or accountability or ownership for themselves. So the very thing that we're asking and expecting and hoping that they will do they can't do because we don't give them the permission to do it because we're holding right. on so tight ourselves. Right. But it also has, you know, it has other uh, impacts as well for the founder. And I have worked with founders of $100 million plus businesses mm-hmm. who say I pay someone a quarter of a million dollars to help me understand how to, how to be able to take time out of my business well. And the challenge is often, and the person who said this to me was like, wow, well, actually, I need to tell you that you are, when it comes to this kind of stuff, you're your own worst enemy because the things that you are, the only person keep it, the only one, the only thing keeping yourself from that is you. Right. I can help you map the way, but until we get over your fear of letting go, and really that's what it is, it's 
we cannot trust others to pick it up because no one knows it like we do. And that's why I talk to people about partnering performance group because you're not you're not handing everything over to someone until they're ready to do it, right? So when you're having these, when you set these expectations together as a team and you're having conversations about it, you hear whether or not your team members are ready. You can mm-hmm. hear from what they're saying, whether they're ready to pick things up or not. Right. That gives you um, the information that you need to be able to delegate to the appropriate level or to be as you know, directive as you need to to the appropriate level so that everyone is actually operating in a way that's not going to cause you that risk or that harm that you're worried about experiencing if you do let, you know, let out a little bit more rope. Right. But as a leader, you need to you need to not hold the ropes so tightly. Mm-hmm. If you're holding the reins tightly, it means you do not trust your team right. or you, you know, you're fearful, right? And that's okay because that's natural. Because we create these, we create these businesses. Um, we need to know they're in safe hands, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've if you've got great attitude, if you've got people around you who have great attitudes, then start to feed the rope out, and only feed out as much as they can handle. Mm-hmm. But get used to get get used to feeding out the rope and letting them take more responsibility, and get used to letting them take more responsibility as well. Right. So it's a case of kind of um, often but slowly kind of stepping up that partnering piece so that Mm -hmm. they take more and more responsibility because um, it's the only way to be able to actually start running your business like a business Mm -hmm. instead of, um, you know, the business running you really. We have to be very careful as as founders around that piece. Oh, absolutely. And if you've created that psychologically safe space, they're going to let you know when they're, when, when you've reached their limit of knowledge, experience, and, and comfort, and they'll let you know when they're ready to take on more. Um, and, and they do. <laughs> they do. If you have somebody who's invested in this game, they definitely will let you know one way or the other. And if they're when they're ready to take on more, they 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 come running. Um, I have experienced that. Uh, yeah. So finally, you are also not a fan, um, and I'm I'm right here in that camp with you, probably. Of the, we are a family company mm. concept statement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever you want to call that so so yeah. uh talk to me about that because they're oh i work with so many family businesses and i have over the years over decades mm. um and it and everybody they they all walk around in great pride we are a family company and i'm i'm like mm, mm. stop just stop mm. <laughs> Yeah. Because it usually means not good things. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why, right? That's why we have to be careful of it because it's um it's almost a red flag. If if you say we we're like a family, it's a red flag to people, and particularly now, right? So um what I what the reason I don't like it is if you if you have to say it, then you're probably not. You probably don't. So I actually bizarrely have worked in strangely I worked in a corporate environment that felt like a family environment it (laughs) wasn't the business that created it it was the people I was working with because we genuinely had each other's backs Mm -hmm. um so I think it's best not to say we're a family environment because then people you know we don't all we don't always treat our families as well as all families are functional (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately And, and our families do tend to see the worst of us as well right right um and I'm not a fan of the idea of masks either, because if we're wearing, so, and we do wear masks, that is true, but it's, you know, we, there is an us often who is at home and there is an us who comes to work and is focused on actually being of service and being of value and, and contributing back to whomever 
or, or whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about being a family, it does trigger all of those ideas of, oh, wow, you're going to take advantage or you're going to expect me to, you know, not take my time, my time off in lieu or, you you know, there's, you're expecting to be, um, to be somehow compromised. Right. Um, so it's best not to say it. It's, and the other thing as well is that when you say we're a family and then you try to hold people accountable for things, it starts to get really awkward. Yeah. So I think we've got to be really careful. We can have a, we can have a business environment that feels um, really collegiate, really friendly, but it is still a business environment. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. We, if our family don't perform or don't do something, we cut them slack. And we can do that as well in a business environment. We do actually still need to make sure that the work is being done because right. the lights need to stay on, right? There is more yes. at stake than that. And particularly in small businesses, you're so reliant on um, everyone being able to do their job well mm-hmm. because there's just not enough cover if someone's right. out, right? Or if someone's not performing. So we've got to be really clear that, yeah, we... We have a great culture, mm-hmm. but we are a business. Right. Excellent. So, um, yeah. And I think we've got to be really careful around um, talking about culture, not that fa- we're like a family, mm-hmm. but talk about the culture that you're creating as a business. Because one of the biggest mistakes I see leaders, irrespective of where they work, making is they want to be liked. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, be careful of that. Like we all, we all want to be liked as human beings, but actually in a work sense, aim for being respected not being liked right. be respected you know aim for being respected and being trusted and aim to give that back and work yeah. work towards that as the goal right because if you respect and trust someone then that's a really healthy place to be in a work environment and, yeah, absolutely it's healthy in any relationship but, but um, <laughs> especially in a work right? environment <laughs> but in a work environment yeah in a work environment that's what you need because you need if you don't respect and trust each other then it's hard to have the hard conversations. Yes. And if you tell, if you, if you condition people to believe that they're working in a family style environment, then pulling people up on things, it feels very punitive, very punitive. It feels personal. Right. And that's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make is that um, if you talk to people about being in a family environment, then it feels very personal. Mm-hmm. Whereas a business environment feels like it's about, it's, it's more objective, right? It's about the job you're doing. Right. Um, first and foremost. So it gets and, easier and to have a harder conversation. Anytime you have a conversation with anybody, they're going to immediately internalize it as personal anyway. It's just, that's right. human nature. But if you come at it from with a business perspective and less of that, you know, we're family, you know, I'm talking mm-hmm. to my cousin concept now. No, it's, it's, this is, it's, this is business and we're going to keep it respectful. And, and if you have that trusting environment, you can, you know, you, you can keep it respectful and you can keep it, you know, hopefully on a nice, even level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, and it, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying that I was going to say that that's, that's where it comes back to partnering for performance as well. Right. Because you're right. not, you know, often in a family environment, we don't tend to think about partnering and working alongside each other often. Right. <laughs> um, but at work, if we think, well, yeah, we, um, we're here to do a job, but mm-hmm. we're going to partner for the, for, for the greater good for you, for the team, for the business, mm-hmm. um, for our stakeholders. So it, it kind of comes back to respect and trust is how we partner to get all this stuff done. And when we're talking about partnering, when, yes, so if I, if I give you feedback, the first thought is always, oh my goodness, that's about me. It is, but right. only to the extent that you're showing up at work in right. this particular context, mm-hmm. because you know we're, we're when, I'm, when we're partnering for performance, we're talking about the performance piece, not you as a human being, 
but you performing this particular part of this particular job in this particular scenario. Right. So, so you can see how accountability suddenly becomes so much easier. Right. It's right? not about you being a bad person. We're not, saying, yeah. <laughs> it's just that, you know, this particular piece is not going the way we needed it to go. What do you need? What can we do? How do we make it happen? It's not about whether yeah. or not you're good or bad <laughs> at your job <laughs> or as a person. It's yeah, it, exactly. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. This is Teresa. This has been fantastic. I absolutely love this conversation. Uh, and I could keep going, but <laughs> um, I think we're in 40 minutes now, <laughs> but thank you. I really do appreciate this. And I really do. I think that this has been valuable information for the listeners. And um, if you, you know, listeners, please, if all of Teresa's contact information and um, uh, all of that stuff is in the episode notes, as always, please go check out her information, check out her book. This is fantastic. And if you are a business owner, you just, you've, you've got to really start taking a look at the, 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 the environment that you're creating and the, the way you are interacting with your staff, it is, it, it truly makes a difference, not only in retention and um, how your people feel, but also how they show up in your business. And that's key mm -hmm. to your revenue, your profit and your value and whether or not you ever want to take a vacation. So, <laughs> so as key all, things. Yeah, very, very. So as always, thank you for joining me today. And again, I really do hope you found value in this episode. So this is Christine Trumbull with Mastering Your Exit Strategy. Until next week. Thank you.